0: You
1: this week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Ariel Astoria, spoken word poet, model, and I'm talking major brands, Athleta, Kim Kardashian, Skims. I wanted to talk about her process creatively. Does something come to her and it's just always with her, or when something's coming in, she needs to stop what she's doing or write it down immediately or it's gone? Also, we start talking about both of us being in interracial marriages in this climate right now with the Black Lives Matter movement, the conversations that we have with our spouses, the conversations that we're going to have to have with our kids. We talk about it all. Here's my episode with Ariel Astoria. Your life. Oh, just have a athletic campaign later. Um, I finished um Kim K Skims um last oh weekend.
2: How does like I know you are I mean your life like how did is this always yeah. like wanted to do? Like what is your how did you get oh my to gosh, where you are? No. I um I want. I went to school for psychology um, and theater. Um, I dropped my theater halfway because I was like, oh, this is not realistic. You know, like this is not what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So I was like, I'm not going to be on stage. So I had every intention of either working with gifted children um, with art therapy or um, the more I got involved with leadership in college was working with college students. I loved college students. I loved student life. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be at a university forever. Um, But I was still performing. I was still doing extracurricular and Speaking and doing arts you know around that just like you know stack up my resume or whatever I was thinking I was doing and then um yeah and then I graduated in 2015 and and nothing felt right you know like nothing felt like um what I was supposed to be doing even though I thought it was and so I was like all right what if I just take the next year and I be creative you know like I don't know what that means I don't know really what that looks like and um yeah. So I, I graduated in 2015 and I've been full-time freelance ever since. And so each year has looked very different. I worked a lot of random jobs. Um, but yeah, this is what I'm doing now. And I, I love it. I love it so much. So, but this is not what I <laughs> intended. No, psychology. It was but, not at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm a very left and a right brain creative. Like I'm absolutely a creative, but I'm also like organization and planners and, you know, like time frames and just like yeah. I like having a plan and I'm the oldest child, so same oh we I have a lot stacked up against me in that regard too of like setting the example you know and now yeah now I I do this full time and it was definitely not what I thought I would be doing but I'm super thankful um and I wouldn't have I wouldn't trade for anything yeah
1: I am super thankful that I found you and it's funny how I found you through a meme that you no way (laughs) you (laughs) shared an uh an sync meme recently which I think was an older one but you shared it again
2: I reshared it, yeah. yes, and it,
1: I do you know the exact word, like the have the confidence that you had.
2: Yeah. Um, like, uh, basically like have the confidence that you had when you thought you were going to marry a member of NSYNC, you know, like whenever you
1: start to doubt yourself, <laughs> fun fact, my sister did that. <laughs> no way! Yes. So my mom got sent the me, the meme and was like, look at this. And so we're cracking it up. We sent it to Aww. my sister. We're like, way to go girl. And then I was like, who wrote this? And I looked and that's how I found you. And it was like no divine way. intervention because I just fell in love with your page. Age and the wow. the time that we're in right now the climate that we're in right wow. now with the elections and the social yeah. issues and the pandemic like wow. we need love and light and inspiration wow. and that's what you bring I yeah. need some of that yeah <laughs> I, I wanted to reach out to you Indeed. and I was so happy no of course is it isn't that is so funny oh my I, god I know
2: can you believe I, that I re I reshared that because I had a, I'm redesigning all of my merchandise, my shirts and t-shirts and mugs and things. And so that was one of the designs where I was scanning back, you know, to how people inter- responded to it. And I was like, actually, this got really good traction. This would be a fun office poster or something like that. So I got it redesigned and I was like, you know, this is cute. Like, I'll just post it. And I really can't track like what people really respond to and what they don't. Like, I my engagement has been all over. So when that one kicked off, I was like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is this just what people need right now? Which is so awesome. But it was so, I was like, what in the world? I don't understand, to You be seem honest. to be very
1: in <laughs> tune with what people need. Like you oh. have such a following and I'm so glad that I found you. You're so positive. And I just wonder right now with the way that the world is right now, is it hard for you to even find that? Or are you just inherently like a positive person where you can yeah. just have that outlook
2: no matter what. It's kind of natural to me. I have a tendency to uh always find the positive in things, whether I um intentionally want to or not, or the other end of it is like, yeah, this you're this sucks. This is awful right now. But there there is, you know, at the end of the, the ray, there is a rainbow, you know, at the end of a season and and knowing that these are seasons that we're in. And so I am really big on sitting in grief. I'm really big on sitting and this is, this is crappy, you know, this yeah. sucks, but I'm also really big on, but it's not forever, you know, right. but hopefully, um, and that's the change that we're trying to do and be a part of is that it's not forever. Um, and so, yeah, I naturally am the sunshine child, you know, I naturally can't help but see the other end of things and just be like, Oh, have hope friends you know have hope like there could be more to this than we think yeah, yeah. is um I know you
1: recently got married is your husband the mm-hmm. same um no. person- or <laughs> <polar opposite? No.
2: laughs> he he is a realist I am a um I am a but the sun is shining you know like right. is that yes. not um but he is a very he very practical very uh detailed very um straightforward mm-hmm. and I'm just like Sunflowers, <laughs> you know and, and rainbows but then we balance each other out you know I bring yes. a little bit more sunshine to a situation and he balances me out and like brings me back you know to to level-headedness you know yes. or and, and awareness and so we're, we're very different. We are very different. Um, he is, he is pretty cynical, but I think it balances out my need to find positivity and everything for sure.
0: Yeah. We
1: yeah. compliment each other and you got yeah, married exactly. during the pandemic. Like, we did. Was yeah.
2: That? <laughs> uh, that was, I mean, a time we had no intention, you know, we had gotten, we had decided our date, you know, was um, going to be May. So we had our venue and everything. Um, and we got engaged in november so we've been like working towards you know what this would look like and then march happened and we were like okay well let's just sit here for a little bit you know because we thought oh this is going to be two weeks you know we're going to be in and out of this real quick and here we are here we are seven (laughs) months seven months later we're still here and so we were like let's just take it a little bit of time but the biggest thing was i my income is from conferences and from gigs and from traveling and all of those got shut down real quick. So all my contribution to our wedding went in like two weeks, you know? And so I was like, I financially don't know if I can contribute to what we're doing, you know? And he'd already had a little bit saved up. And so we were like, okay. And then the second thing is we have susceptible people in our family, you know, our grandparents and my sister was pregnant at the time. His sister, you know, um, is, is terminally ill. And so we were like, okay, what does this look like? So we just kind of took it month by month. And eventually it was like, all right, we probably will only be able to have our families. Yeah. And we probably won't be able to do it at our venue, which was in Temecula. So it's two hours south from where we are. My family's in the Bay Area, his family's out here. So we're like, we need to find a more central spot. So one of our things that we did at the beginning of the pandemic was we would just drive places, like go through drive-thrus and just drive, just to drive. So we drive to San Diego, we drove to Pismo Beach, um, which is where we got married. And we just like looked at different parks, different, you know, beaches wow. and stuff. I was like, that could work, that could work, you know? And then we left and we're like, all right, let's see how this goes. And so as it got closer, we were like, okay, family, Here's the park. See you there. You are such a chill bride. I mean, for me, it was like, I definitely grieved the process of like, oh, I won't have a shower, you know, traditionally. Yeah. I won't um, have a bachelorette party, you know. Tra- I didn't have any of those things. So I, I definitely still grieve those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to say that maybe next year we could we could try again, but we really don't know what next year will look like. And so the goal was, I mean, the pandemic really pushed us to answer and ask the question, what matters here? Yes. You know, what is most important here? And it was to be married yeah and for our families to be a part of it and that was it you know and so we're yeah. like okay we got those two things so we did PISMO, and it was, I mean, it was above and beyond. Our photographer still agreed to be there. Our videographer still agreed to be there. Our florist still agreed to send us flowers to take wow. with us. So I still had a bouquet. Um, I was able to have little baby bouquets for my sisters and some of my bridesmaids who were there, because I am the oldest of five, so most of my sisters were, were my brides. All my sisters were my bridesmaids, so that was, like, enough there, and he had his parents there, and... Um, um everyone was socially distanced and with mass and and then we went to in and out after and so it was like wow <laughs> that was kind of like perfect you know like yeah. different parts hearts actually really want that yeah. um we just didn't know and so yeah we've been we got married um in may so it's been a few months now which we has been super that. sweet but it definitely yeah it took us for it took us for a loop we're supposed to still have a wedding next year but we again we what is yeah. life then yeah my sister
1: is supposed to get married on New Year's Eve, and they like need, need to make the call by wow. the end of this month. And she's like, "Okay, if it's going to be masks and thirty people, she's like, I just don't know." Don't want
2: it. But mm-hmm. it's what you what
1: you just described, like the people, what other people are dealing with right now, like losing loved ones to this to like to horrible
2: virus. That puts it's, it in perspective, right? Exactly. (laughs) It was like, this is important to us, you know, but it's also most important that my sister is healthy so that she can give birth, you know, that we don't put our parents um, or, or, you know, our grandparents at risk. And I mean, at the same time, so we got married on a Saturday, my uncle went into a coma on Thursday. So our whole wedding weekend kind of got turned upside down a little bit. And we didn't even know if we were going to move forward with it, if we were going to meet outside the hospital, um, and do a quick ceremony, you know, so that my mom could stay at the hospital with her brother, um, and not have my siblings there. And so, I mean, we were really just like, what, what is it what's important here, you know, like, it's being able to grieve properly. It's also being able to celebrate property, you know? And so there's like the space where I'm really answering and asking the question, can I hold both, you know, can I hold joy and grief all at the same time? And I think the pandemic has taught us there's room for both yeah. either in the same breath or in separate breaths. And so, yeah, I mean, we got married Saturday and I grieved my uncle's death on Sunday and, oh. and being able to sit and both of those, you know, yeah. and, and so it was really like, oh my gosh, just does a bachelorette matter here? Absolutely exactly. not. You know, right. like the, these out. are the smallest things that I'm yeah. not even in the forefront of my mind right now. And so really just sitting in those spaces and realizing how fortunate we are
1: 100%. to even be
2: able to do what we did do. You know, I know we have a lot of friends and a lot of couples who didn't, you know, get to even have that um, with their families there. So just realizing where our own privilege and where our own gratitude comes in and yeah. in your own specific situation.
1: Yeah. I, um, I have a ton of questions about like your creative process, but you are making me, you said you're the oldest of five and I'm mm-hmm. the oldest of four girls and my sisters oh, were my only yeah. bridesmaids, like everything that you're That's saying, I, like, yeah. but I have a whole, like birth order i it's such a thing to me and mm-hmm. i i actually wrote my book mm-hmm. about how my perfectionist obsessive personality drove me to eating disorders and all this mess wow. that i dealt wow. with and none of my sisters had that mess wow. and I would take I would drive to school the next morning in high school to retake an A minus quiz because if you mm-hmm. got it at 7 you could retake it for the A whereas mm-hmm. like my sisters would be like I got a C like uh, we're good I'm they good. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have <laughs> yeah. it. and I'm wondering yeah. to your sisters did you have that pers- perfectionist obsessive personality that a firstborn would typically have
2: Yes and no I academic, like academic wise, I was like, kind of like, not all over the place. I did well for the most part, but I was like held back in like fourth grade because of math. And then even getting to college, like I was like, math doesn't exist, you know? So, and then until it did, and then I had to go and do another year just to take statistics. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so I was like, there was that perfectionist there, but it was more so um, the caring of the I have to set the example, you know, I have to, so all my decisions are being watched, you know, like all the things that I'm doing are, are setting the example or creating a path. And so my perfectionism came in, in that route of, I'm having to be the good child, having to be the good girl. I'm Mm -hmm. always having to seek, approval, you know, having the applause by people for my (laughs) decisions. And so my perfectionism kind of took a different form. It wasn't necessarily in I have to thrive in all my academics. I, I did really well in school, but it was also like, no, like it has to go beyond that. It's my decision-making it's, you know, how I'm, how I'm setting myself up. And if, you know, I don't receive that applause, you know, like, am I still, you know, setting the example, you know, am I still a good, um, a good girl or a good daughter and really wrestling in that space? Yeah.
1: And did your sisters like, did anybody else, display that same type of attitude? Or were they more like free? My middle <laughs>
2: child sister is oh, yeah? like, she skipped two grades in high school, oh. um, graduated college, I mean, graduated high school at six, 16, 17, 18, wow. yeah. Went to Went to college, just graduated from grad school in May, and she turned 22 in oh. August. <laughs> right so, anyway, then. The birth order thing is, is the right, right, right. <laughs> no, So Vermont. that was like that was that was her level of perfection. Okay. In the academia. Wow. Um, the the middle child, you know, who is like I also matter, you know, like I also think yeah. Look at to me, yes. Um, especially while the rest of us are like really arts oriented and really creative. Um, and she's adapted a bit of that too, but academia is. Yeah. was her route for and sure. And yeah.
1: arts and were you always like spoken word poetry is that something that was just I want to know I'm a writer like your yeah. creativity and your process do things just come to you and you need to write it down is it something mm-hmm. that once you have it, it you have it and it's it's with you um like for example like when I would set aside writing time like yeah. somebody would watch my kids I'm gonna be right. writing from two to four. But nothing is happening from two to four. Nothing <laughs> right, is right, flowing. Right. You can't set aside time to be creative. So I want, like talking to creative people, I love to know your process. Yeah.
2: I I'm, a, I prefer the writing. I don't have a process. <laughs> okay. um, I, I have consistencies. Okay. Um, so I always listen to music when I write, usually. That's like nice. a huge like, creative trigger for me, if you will. Um, but I prefer to use the word spilling instead of writing. Only because a lot of times the poems are like, "No, we're coming, like right now. Grab wow. something. Yes, it, it record, it's gone. You know, record this. Yeah, okay. record this. Um, and or if I'm in conversations with people and it sparks something, I like, I I will tune out. Now, I won't keep listening <laughs> because it's just playing in my head and I'm trying not to forget it. So yeah. I'll be like, I'm so sorry. I really <laughs> this have is to important. write this down right now, you know, um, and then my friends and people know me now, they're like, are you writing? Like, are, are you, and I'm like, uh-huh. like, so there's no, there's no misunderstanding. I'm like, I'm just not paying attention to you. They know I need a moment, you yeah, know, because like it's the is there. Yeah. The yeah. Is there. It's a spelling process. And so, yeah i mean if i'm writing a curated piece of something that's specifically for a conference or an event or for a brand that's a little bit more strategic I'm um, getting all the information i can from them um and then like formally sitting you know finding the music that really sits and then just start typing things out um but i'm a very um i'm a very uh i guess i guess emotional is the word but i'm like you could give me a word and i could probably create something off of it only because. I feel like I'm cheating half the time because my brain works in poetry, you know, my brain works um, in story form, my brain works in that space. So I can't really turn it off, you know. I'm so tempted to be like
1: margarita.
2: um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a fun one. I'm just like, um, there are days when life just needs to end in something where you can treat yourself, a sip, a tip, you know, like something like that is where I would go with it. But um, like, yeah, I think... I think I definitely, there's not much of a process. It's like, like some probably similar to the birthing process of like something yeah. is coming. Are you ready to catch it,
1: <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, but it's like a prompt, like you'll write about a prompt or,
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay. So you just have a prompt uh, and then you can I of... will
2: get a prompt or, I mean, I honestly, I'll go to the park and I'll see that the trees are moving. And at the same time that the trees are moving, the grass is like moving. Yeah. At the same time that I was told, you know, by my watch, because sometimes I guess I forget how to breathe that I need to exhale, you know? And so then I start writing about how in the same moment that I'm exhaling, the trees are moving, the grass is moving. And then I'll start, you know, brainstorming about like, what if, what about the connectability of life and existence, yeah. you know? So I, it's very like my plants, you know, I wrote a lot of plant poems at the beginning of the You're pandemic. Mom. Because, <laughs> yeah, I am a plant mom. Um, and I wrote a lot of plant poems at the beginning of the began- pandemic. Cause it was like, our plants aren't stressed out about sitting here resting right. and growing and stillness like so why are we freaking out about it and so i I, I feel like i'm very um triggered by, creatively by a lot of different things yeah. yeah i think just being present in the do
1: you meditate or is that almost like a form of meditation you're just present. i do
2: but i think that's a form of it you know mm-hmm. because meditation is the attentiveness um it's a tuning in to Um, more you yourself and the presence and existence inside of you um, while trying to tune out the surrounding Um, and I think the writing process is a combination of both of of tuning in um, but then also finding connection outward at the same time and not having it be a distraction but a fuel towards your creativity yeah yeah
1: I wondered like when you first started doing like the spoken word, like standing up in front of people, because it almost seems like a like a personal Mm -hmm. private thing that you come up with. And now you're the first time you had to go present it and to an audience and get feedback. Like, how was that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the first time So my background is in theater. I went to an arts high school and Mm -hmm. I wrote a lot of plays and monologues, which is great because it was vulnerability on behalf of other people so it wasn't me being vulnerable it was stepping into other people's vulnerability you know and carrying that um and then when it came to poetry it was about stepping into my own vulnerability but the first poem i ever I ever wrote was actually um, about um, a, an assault that had happened in in our in my neighborhood, um, for by a young girl. I was a young girl and a group of a group of high school boys, um, and my dad is a pastor, and so he brought me with him to the prayer vigil for her. You know, and while she's in the hospital, and I just felt like my first spoken word was if I was with her, you know, like if I had been there um, before that it happened to her, if I could be there while it was happening to her to pull her out, you know, to call mm. her by name, to remind her of her identity. And so I workshopped that I went to a workshop and it was like, write a poem. What was the, you know, what was something that happened in in, in your you know past week that is still sticking with you? And then afterwards I was like, you know, fold it up, tuck it away, put it away, you know, go to the next thing. And it was an open mic kind of setting. And it was like, wow. okay, for those who want to come and share their pieces. And up until that, my poetry wasn't for people. You know, right. my poetry was it's like personal. for my mom. Yeah. yeah, it was for my mom. It was for my journal. Like it was not anything I shared out loud. And, and I shared that poem. And I just remember like shaking, but being so like being able to see the words and connect with it. And, and that kind of shifted things for me a little bit. But I still stuck with theater. Um, and then I performed a monologue that was in the perspective of Coretta Scott King um, and Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife and after that is when my friend Michael, he was like my poetry brother, he was like, did you write that? I was like, yeah. He was like, that was spoken word. and I was like, no, it's a monologue, you know, like it's theater. (laughs) And he was like, no, but the way you performed it was spoken word. And I was like, okay. So then that turned into poetry club and two years on a competitive poetry team and, and then becoming the president after he graduated of the poetry club. And so then it kind of opened up this new door. Um, and I would write poems, you know, for my, my halls, my resident advisors, I would leave them in their doorsteps and things like that. So It kind of, theater kind of trickled into spoken word.
1: I, um, would it be hard for you to read poems by someone else since you feel it so much, or is it? It's
2: not, I I don't like to, I don't prefer to do it for performances, you know, when people are like, oh, we have this poem that we just really love, but we want your voice. Can you come read it? I don't love that because people always assume that it's your piece. And I don't like carrying that. I was just
1: going to ask you something. And I don't know if it was your I Am a woman Phenomenally, that one. Did you write that? Mm Mm-mm. Okay, I and a woman like phenomenally <laughs> is my um, Angelou. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. I seriously yeah. wouldn't know if you wrote that. <laughs>
2: like you were so, because uh, you deliver it really so. That's what people call say that I'm. I'm a woman um, that I remind them of like a younger Maya Angelou. Of course, yes. really, um, an honor. I don't know if I can carry, but yeah, that's my. And so that is always a thing of like if I quote usually anything on my page. All of that is my own words, unless I specify otherwise, yeah. um, and that it will have quotations on it. Um, because otherwise, like, yeah, people are or like, I have a poem where I quote Marianne Williamson, and people are like, Oh my gosh, I've seen people reshare that poem, and I say her name in the poem, but people will still re-share we want it to be yours, piece. yeah, <laughs> that piece of the poem, and they'll be like, You know, our deepest fear, and I was like. No, 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 no. That is yeah. not my words. Those are Williams says, please delete this and requote. It, but you resonate it resonated
1: with you. And absolutely. Sounded, yeah. So yeah. you can deliver it that way. The, the one you yeah. wrote about, Breonna Taylor, I know that was yours. That was but, yeah. I mean, it's you're just, I don't, I just wanted to know more about your process. And like mm-hmm. I does it flow all the time. So we've talked about yeah. that. Um getting up in front of people like versus the private. Spectrum. So you'd started doing it and then people started inviting you to come. Like, how did you grow mm-hmm. it into a brand? Cause I feel like I have a lot yeah. of people that are just starting out their brand. How did you go from poetry club? I'm going to read a poem out loud to where you are now speaking engagements and that kind like, how, what is your advice yeah. on growing the brand?
2: That started in, in college. So I spoke a lot at my university. I would speak on different halls and things like that. And then that turned into Oh, um, my church is doing this conference. Can you come here? This school is doing this event. Can you come there and speak? So it kind of started in college to circulate of like, oh, you do poetry? Like, can you come do that? Or I did like like my voice. I think is still the commercial for my university right now yeah. because like it just was like the work I was doing while in college, and then I graduated. And it, again, it just spiraled, you know, wow. finding a local conference in L.A. and attending that. Um, and then being asked, you know, a few years later to come emcee it. And while I MC'd it, I opened with a poem or I closed up with a poem that had to do with the theme of the event. And then someone at that conference um, has their own conference and asked me to come do their conference. So it was very, wow. like word of mouth. It was very much so a snowball effect. Um, And I I never, I don't think I ever was like pushing myself necessarily or advertising myself. You didn't have to. As it. Yeah. It was just like door after door after door open. And with Instagram, it was like, I could show my fashion, you know, I could show I like to shop. I could show, you know, my clothing. I could show myself as a curvy body. And I would sometimes throw a graphic or sometimes throw a poem in the caption. But I didn't have a ton of videos, you know, or ones that I thought were aesthetically pleasing enough to put on my feed, right. you know, so people didn't really know um, that that's what I did. But being at events, and it was just like another person at another event, and then another person saw the video from that event, and it just kicked off from there. And it yeah. wasn't like one
1: poem that like launched you. So it just seems like it was just nope. a spiral effect. You just kept... Yeah. Yeah, because wow. I talked to a lot was, of people, and it's like one thing, and it's like I finally got that one thing, and that's what launched me. Totally. But it wasn't that way.
2: It hasn't worked um, that way for me. Like I was yeah. talking about, you know, with the insane quote, that one thing, you know, pumped off really well, and it was great, you know. But it didn't necessarily grow my following a huge amount. But right. the engagement was great. But then, like last week, and I did a conference, and there was a couple thousand people watching on online, and you know, I went from I think like seventy two or 73, like straight to 74K just from the audience alone, oh, wow. like watching. So it really just, I mean, it depends. In-person events are the best, I think, growing tactic wise for me. Um, but the experiences are always different because people are seeing me perform in person poems that are specifically for the event that they're a part of. So then when they ask me to come, you know, they're asking me to do the same, but for their brand and, and for yeah. their company. And so um, that crossover wow. has been, like really great like I met a woman who worked for Google at this women's retreat in Ojai and so then I did International Women's Day you know at a at the Google headquarters you know in the Bay Area and it was like really (laughs) wild you know but she had seen me write a poem processing the, the event and she was like but can you come do that but do that for this Google event. So I soaked in the whole day. I talked to women. And then by four o'clock that day, I had to like have a poem finished and ready to go to perform for them. And so just little things like that, just kind of like ripple effect. But organically, um, like you said, you're not advertising yourself. You're not. You know, no, know now I'm like, okay, I have a website, you know, that exists. I, yeah. I have more projects that I'm releasing. So my Spotify is out there, but I really don't like, necessarily push myself a whole ton of like I speak let me speak at your event you know right. it's just kind of happened
1: yeah do you with all your positivity and women's empowerment all the positive stuff that you put out do you ever get negativity like trolls <laughs> that are just on your page how do you handle that do you yeah do you even like acknowledge it do you yeah stand up for
2: yourself do you ignore it you do yeah i mean they're rare i don't luckily i don't get a ton like i'll get some if i'm posted on a different page you know in my swimsuit and a lot of the conversation of like oh why are you promoting obesity this is not a healthy body type i'll get a lot of that um and then like my most recent one that i kind of hinted out about climate change i had this one random troll on there who was like what is this post about this doesn't make any sense and i'm like you don't even follow, me. follow me. like exactly. why are you here so I got into the habit of just like well oh, swipe delete swipe delete swipe delete. Uh, I know, am if not it's there aggressive, yet aggressive <laughs> if it's aggressive then I block it um but I really just I know myself um and I know that I I just i I know where I need to and where I don't need to give my energy to and it's really important to to um that space aside for myself and it's it's my platform you know like it's literally like if you don't like it yeah a troll is like someone you know conning you on stage like of just like it like that's not it's that's not the space and you have permission to to turn it off to delete them to block them to restrict them whatever it may be yeah
1: I was talking to someone about this the other day. Obviously you can't please everyone. Like you were talking about somebody who made a comment about obesity. I am apparently a man because I'm muscular. Like people would come on and be like, is that a woman? And wow. I am not where you're at now and it will bother me <laughs> for the yeah. rest of the day. And I'm like, but somebody was like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to build muscle and work out? She's right. like, then that's what you're doing what you want to do. So that wow. person is just, if you're doing what's in line yeah. with your goals. And then someone else told me, um, say you have, 10 that like you I'm sure have like thousands of comments she's like if you want to respond to that one negative person then you also mm-hmm. need to respond to the five positive above it five right. below it she That's goes good. what you're saying now is the only person that deserves a response is the person that wrote something hateful and all the people yeah. that wrote something beautiful you didn't acknowledge and when you right. think about That's it so I, true. it's yeah. like okay why is that person getting your energy right because your you're
2: like you almost yes. have like a very specific way like, yeah. you're looking for yeah, it yeah because and- you want to know- you know, yeah. 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 So and, she was like to respond to terminal. all of them.
1: Then I was like, okay. I that love that. Yeah. I something love that. that I would be willing to do. Um, I wanted to talk to you, just like in the climate that we have right now, like racially, you and I are both in interracial marriages. Yeah. I never knew if I I never wanted to like speak, speak on it. I really? wondered if your husband was ever like hesitant to give his Two cents about it when people be like well, you get, sit down and that's how i felt until i finally yeah it. but I, I wanted to ask about if he ever if he felt the same way or you guys had conversations about that
2: we i mean we talk about it all the time and the what i love about him and i is just looking we have like this automatic picture frame in our living room and i have this picture of him holding you know this black lives matter mm-hmm. poster and I just like looked even more so like at his eyes and I am very fortunate to have a husband who loves history. He's going to school to be a history teacher. So it's very important for him to understand context and awareness around things. Um, and and so it wasn't ever like, I, I don't think I've ever felt not supported by him and he's never been quiet, you know, like he does things that (laughs) I you know, I don't have to coach him. I don't have to tell him. Um he he goes there and he's very he's very smart, you know, so he's very aware of just even the systemic aspect, where I'm aware of the experience aspect, right, um, and we way. powwow off of that, you know, um, and and I mean for us, like our our background is is different. I grew up very privileged. I grew yeah. up in a in a, in a you know a. Three, two three bedroom home I went to a university and he grew up you know on, on on the the poorer end of life and existing so our growing up context if you were to look at the stereotypes of them both our privilege is technically switched you yeah. know so wow. he he's very sensitive to things he's very aware of things already even as a white man um, and he also just doesn't fully he doesn't fully identify himself as a white man which is really funny too but also <laughs> (laughs) yeah and so I never really had to be like hey babe I don't feel like you're supporting me you know like I don't feel seen as a black woman like even yesterday I took my twists out so my my fro is just doing whatever she wants and he's always like oh I love your like I love your hair you know and so there's little things that um I've never really had to um, express to him. He just kind of like naturally would post about how to vote, you know, how to call your mayor, um, Uh how to sign petitions, you know, um, and and things like that. And even when we were all trying to navigate through the Black Square thing and, and that advocacy, we both were like sitting in bed and we were like, do we post this, you know? And so we have conversations about things all the time. So for him, it was like very easy. And now knowing, you know, the conversations of like wanting to have kids and, We've yeah. been watching the show, I'm Black-ish, and it's yeah, like super we watched that funny. Show. Yeah, it's so funny. And so we were watching the episode where Rainbow was really, you know, confused about her identity and, and why she was so bothered, you know, about Junior dating dating a white girl. Yeah, and, I saw that. I mean, that. That conversation she had with her dad, of her dad saying, but you're a Black woman, you know? And, and John resonating so deeply of like, our kids will be Black, you know? They will also be white, but their identity to the world yes. will be Black children, you know? and and. And so, those are all things that we like constantly just like talk yeah. about and navigate, whether the stakes are high in the outside world or or not. Um, it's something that's still very present in our home because, again, I have the experience, you know, and he has he has the awareness of yeah. society and where we're going as society.
1: Yeah, we didn't have any of those conversations before our kids were here, and now we have really a four and a half year old daughter and a two oh, year old son, and. Yeah. They, it's fun, like my son is closer to my complexion and his hair is like yours and he definitely, you don't know what they're gonna identify as. So all you can do is just like expose them to both cultures Exactly, they will- but I let them
2: decide who they are. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And I I I actually had to write something for somebody else's book about that. They were like, can you just write tips oh, about wow. raising a multiracial family? And I was like, can I read the tips first? Because I'm not sure I <laughs> should be giving these- <laughs> it. Right, like right, my kids right. are yeah. so young. I want to make sure I do it the right way. And you know, it's just I know this like conversations that people will have from them at school, like pointing something out their skin color. I don't know the right way. I don't want to point it out because I don't want it to be something that she's thinking about it for, but I also don't want to point it out and have the boy in the playground pointed out for her and not have her be prepared to have that conversation. And I don't know what is the right thing to do. So it's great that you're talking about it before you have kids.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Even for me, I mean, I, I'm a lighter skin Black Mm -hmm. woman and even that being its own, you know, carrying of weight and having to, you know, prove why I'm not mixed, you know, or why I'm full African-American and my sisters and my brothers, I mean, they are chocolate like, they they yeah. are like you know rich car like rich dark caramel skin and so they'll look at us and be like you guys are related yeah. we're like yep same mom same dad, you know same everything that's just right. like what melanin does you know yes, exactly beautiful. my kids like and the, the the difference, yeah yeah, yeah. And so really i mean really honing into each and every one because the experiences will be different you know my experience um as a lighter skin black woman and my sister's experience as a, as a darker skin you know black woman, and even my little brothers experience as a darker skinned black boy black yeah. man you know and so all of that varying and and the conversations needing to be really gentle and aware of how they're all varying, you know, and based off of a system that still does not see you at the same time, you know and 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 having those hard conversations now with John, I think has been really great, you know, for when we do you know start to have the conversation of of yeah. having children.
1: Yeah. yeah, so would you you are gonna have the conversations when they're young so that they're prepared or yeah. I just don't have to point it out and make them feel, like there's any, my daughter sees no difference. We're here with my parents right now. My sister's kids are blonde hair, blue eyes, like so <laughs> light. Mm-hmm. And they don't see any difference. I know they mm-hmm. don't. So to be mm-hmm. like, I don't want it to be something that I'm pointing out to them, but I also right. don't want someone else to. And I don't know what is the right yeah. way to handle it.
2: I think shows like, I mean, as silly as it is, shows like Blackish, yeah, being a great show to watch as a family and allowing Questions to come from that, you know, Um, and I'm hoping that more conversations like that and more shows like that show up in the in the surface of things to be conversation starters. Because, like you said, you don't want it to be something that they learn from somewhere else. But also, that's kind of what the world and what life kind of does sometimes and then for them to come home and be like mom so I I saw this or I heard this you know can we talk about that and and hoping to have that continuous open dialogue with their kids about anything you know that happens in the world of like we are, we are all learners of this thing called life. Your mom, your mom and dad are learners. You are learners. We're all students, you know, of this thing called life. So at any point in time where we can kind of come to the table, you know, of of our, of our home, you know, in our, in our classroom, if you will, what do we want to learn about today? You know, what do we want to explore about today? Um, And allowing, you know, the curiosity to, to be there, um, but then also for the truth telling to be there at the same time. And so, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, they're very fortunate to like live in both. So they're like, I don't, I don't understand, you know, but then they will have moments where they will go in the world, you know, and it's like this mirror put to your face. And even for me, it was like, I grew up in the Bay area. So I didn't know what, All of one race looked like I grew up with you know a Filipino and a white best friend and a a Hispanic and a Korean you know I never had one of anything and then I got to my private Christian university and it was like you're black you're black you're black you're black you're black and I'm like why i okay. know this <laughs> you know like i'm aware of this like, yeah why are you needing to tell me in that culture shock because everyone reverse... has to put
1: you in a box everyone has to exactly. have exactly that's the other thing too be ready for this one you go to the pediatrician and it's like right. check a box and i'm like it says caucasian african-american and mm-hmm. i was like do i check both boxes both. do i mm-hmm. check i wanted to check both and yeah. then like they're like no they're well they're african-american what's their father african-american they're like they're african-american is the person at the front desk and i was like but they're they're not, they're both, mm, like I yeah, couldn't check both yeah, boxes and they're gonna hard. need to know what box to check and right, it just, everything has to, I hate that. I but will like, let them check
2: both. I don't Yes, I, I will. I will let them check both. They're both. Otherwise that pushes them like, yes, the world sees you as a black person, you are a black person, you also have white you know hispanic italian who, whatever else in yeah. you as well and why is it that they can't claim both just because they're seen as one exactly. um they're both you know and and allowing that to be something like i'm my godmom is is el salvadorian you know like i want my kids to be low-key be bilingual you know yeah. like i want yeah. them to have expe- experience yeah. and, and and knowledge outside of even our own just at home cultural context. Um, and it's limiting, you know, like it let yes, them let them be both. <laughs> yeah like
1: you're lucky i have to check one box you get to check both like they should feel they get to be both and yeah it's it's hard and like i said it's great you guys are having the conversations now you're going to be such a good mom my god like (laughs) you're telling me you don't have kids and you're telling me like tell them this (laughs) taking (laughs) notes thank you (laughs) just you i really appreciate your time please keep just spreading the women empowerment and the inspiration the positivity love and light we need it now Anybody can follow you. Um, Mm -hmm. What is your handle?
2: Ariel Astoria. So, Ariel Astoria. e double l e e s t o r
1: yeah and then if they want um the darling you are magic shirt which i would yes like, you can find on that on my website. website
2: which is just arielastoria.com and um if you like that specific design i would get it now because october 1st is my birthday and so i'm launching oh. all new merch so everything that's currently up will no longer exist but it will be better than ever i think oh my that's so,
1: fantastic yeah and both your um poetry books are on amazon Mm-hmm. yes okay, and so also on
2: my website if you go to my website to one-stop
1: shop Ariel Astoria such light and positivity in a time where our world needs it most go follow her on Instagram it's at Arielle Astoria a-r-i-e-l-l-e-e-s-t-o-r-i-a Arielle Astoria.com for her merchandise her poetry her inspiration you keep doing what you're doing girl Thank you guys so much for listening, and if you haven't subscribed, please do that. We're on Podcast One, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and join me next week for a new episode of Squats and Margaritas.
0: To be your best every day.